1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. Chris Biederman is still out. So joining me today is going to be Kalen Jones from The Ringer. He covers the NFL over at the ringer.com You can find him all over the Ringer podcast network. He does a really great job. We're going to talk about the NFL offseason quarterback carousel. There seems to be more movement coming than maybe we've really ever seen at the quarterback position. We also, of course, get into Deshaun Watson, what he would trade for Deshaun Watson if he was the 49ers, and whether any of the available quarterbacks would be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. Enjoy.
0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England's standing QB, Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown,
2: 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. All right, Kalen Jones is here today. Chris is still out on vacation, so Kalen is... Nice enough to lend his time to the pod. Uh, you can find Kalen on Twitter, at Kalen Jones. That's K-A-E-N-L-E-N Jones. And he writes at The ringer.com. He covers the NFL kind of in general. But Kalen, something you wrote recently that really stuck out to me, your piece about Russell Wilson, and he's tired of taking too many hits. And I don't want to talk so much about, about Wilson specifically, but this falls in line with this, to me, um, this, it it falls in line with the Deshaun Watson move Mm -hmm. uh, of trying to force his way out of Houston. I don't know, Russell Wilson's not to the point where he's pounding the table for a trade and saying he's ready to sit out a year, but is this a trend or two kind of isolated incidents where uh, we see NFL players trying to kind of take control of of their destinations the way we've seen kind of in the NBA?
1: You know, I I don't know if, You know, they coincide with one another, per se. I think they're isolated in the sense that they're for two different reasons, right? So with Wilson, and I think both of them, they're similar in the sense that, you know, they want more power, you know, at least maybe not necessarily power, but more hearsay in, you know, how both teams go about building the team, right? Deshaun Watson, he just wants to be made aware of what was going on in regards to not only the personnel that, you know, he's playing with, but also the head coaching. He wanted to know who was going to be the GM. He wanted some type of, at least, you know, role in how that played out. I think, you know, Seattle is comfortable, at least, you know, you could say so, like with their general manager, with their head coach, regardless of what you think of John Snyder, Carroll, you know, they're set there, right? He wanted mm-hmm. input, obviously, in, in their offensive coordinator pick, which ended up being Shane Waldron. And then he wants more say in how, you know, the offensive line is built. And, you it's really – it's funny because I don't know if it's really that big of a deal the way of what he said. I think it's a big deal because, you know, Russell Wilson always says the right thing. So yeah. we're all like, oh, man, Russell Wilson, like, actually came out and said what we've all been thinking, which, you know, the Seahawks need to improve their offensive line in order for them to ever really have a chance of succeeding, you know, in the type of scheme that they have. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely similar, though, like you were saying. I think it overarchingly – like, you look at all the quarterbacks, it's definitely part of that – I want more, you know, say in how the team, the team direction. I think it all falls under that umbrella.
2: It feels like this offseason is so different than every other one. And especially it, it, I think, is magnified here in in San Francisco with the 49ers because there is a general, I think, displeasure from, from Jimmy Garoppolo, both in his failures in the Super Bowl and then his his injury issues, starting with the ACL tear in 2018, and then the the couple of high ankle sprains this season that limited him to only six games. So I think the the quarterback conversation has kind of been magnified, but it seems like more this year than any other. There's going to be quarterbacks moving. Uh, Jared Goff is is going to get traded to the to the Lions once that can be made official, and. Matthew Stafford's heading to the Rams but I mean Carson Wentz is is supposedly available. Uh what what do you what do you what do you make of all these teams moving quarterbacks or moving on from quarterbacks when it's obviously the most important position on the field?
1: Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing NFL teams really come to an understanding that, you know, it's kind of zero sum in a sense. You know, you can't just have an average quarterback or at least that's the perception, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird because, you know, we, we've we seen some teams at least make it to the Super Bowl when, you know, they, they, they have like, you know, average or above average quarterbacks. Like the Rams a few years ago, um, I mean, you can make the case that Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he was playing at an above average level when they made it. So
2: mm-hmm. I
1: think that you're looking at, again, it's the most important position on the field. So if you're able to upgrade it and go for a guy who is elite, it makes sense for NFL teams to go after them. And it's just kind of interesting because like you said, it's a phenomenon in the sense that all of these teams are deciding this at the same time. And it coincides like, again, with the Deshaun Watson, uh, like what he wants out of the organization, like his trade requests um, with Carson Wentz wanting out, like you mentioned Matthew Stafford wanting out Aaron Rodgers' comments a few weeks ago, freaking this all out. Now we have Russell Wilson. So it's it's all happening at the same time, so it's very interesting in in that sense because we've never had this happen before.
2: I've wondered for a couple of years that this is gonna happen, and you can call me crazy if you think this is right because that's fine i I'll wear that <laughs> uh do do you think we might see teams? Starting to because we saw the 49ers trade a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. He starts five games, plays pretty well. They win all five. He gets a huge top of the market contract. Jared Goff got a huge top top of the market contract. Matthew Stafford. Do you do you think maybe? And I, I just named those three guys because they're relevant. But we mm-hmm. see all the times teams kind of just paying their quarterback, like you said, because he's average. You know, it, it he's not terrible. But it's also kind of clear, like, you're probably not winning a Super Bowl with this guy. Do you think we might see teams start to get away from that, where if a guy after four years or if he's a first-round pick five years just kind of go, yeah, you know, this guy's fine and he can win some games, but we need more. We need better. We're going to let him walk and try and find a solution elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you're crazy for at least pointing that out because, like, like you mentioned, teams have been willing to give out those contracts two guys who are average or at least, you know, have the potential of being above average to pretty good, um, because of the stability. I think when you look at the quarterback position, I think that is really the common denominator in terms of getting to a Super Bowl is having that kind of stability, even if they are, you know, average or above average at best, I think that's what you're craving is really that's the stability. You're not looking for someone who's too volatile in the sense that they could play horrible one moment or, you know, play like either an elite level quarterback next. It's better to have I mean, I guess you want the high potential guy, but I guess for coaches and for team building, you want the guy who is going to give you, you know, consistently above average to average play. I get that. So I I think in that sense, you know, it wouldn't be too crazy to see teams you know, continue to kind of have this time period in, in terms of evaluating their guys and saying, do we have a chance with him or is it better to cut bait? And I think a lot of what plays into that has to do with their surrounding, you know, talent around them on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. Because, I mean, the like you mentioned Jared Goff, the reason why the Rams were willing to, at least my assumption is from the outside, the reason why they were willing to give him that extension is because he was functioning so well and providing stability while everything around him was working at a much is it reaching its peak or at least playing at a higher level and raising his game in a sense. He wasn't being asked to raise the level of, you know, the offense or, you know, the, and the defense has always consistently, you know, been a pretty uh, a high-ranking unit. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was asked too much. I think in spaces and for teams that, you know, require more out of their quarterback to raise level of their team, I think that, you know, you'll see more, I mean, more hasty decision-making in a sense. And unless they are solidified as being, you know, a generational or even a top 10, top five guy, I think that teams are going to look at a quarterback and we probably evaluate them and say, look, if you're not going to consistently play at this level in this amount of time, we're going to move on.
2: It seems like that's where the 49ers are at with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is kind of the direction I wanted to take this conversation, because Garoppolo in 2019, we saw him play well enough at times to get the 49ers to the Super Bowl. The playoffs were obviously a different story, and then the final eight to ten minutes of the Super Bowl didn't, didn't go great, but... <laughs> When you look at... Because Kyle Shanahan has said, we're looking to upgrade every position. We see Jimmy as part of the core. If he, if we find a significant upgrade, we'd obviously explore that. They looked into Tom Brady a little bit last offseason and didn't pull the trigger. They weren't willing to put a first-round pick on, on the table for Matthew Stafford. Uh, so it, if if Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy and... Kyle Shanahan is looking for significant upgrades. Let's take Deshaun Watson off the table for now. Is there any available quarterback in in your eyes? Like I'm I'm asking for for an opinion here. Is there any quarterback available, whether it be Carson Wentz or, um, here we go. Pick a name. Uh, is there is there uh, <laughs> Kirk ben Cousins, ben, Matt Ryan, ben, Cam ben, Newton, yeah. Jameis Winston? Yeah, there you go. Uh, are there? Any of those guys that you see as a significant upgrade that that might entice the 49ers to move on from Garoppolo?
1: Man, that see that that's a good question. I've literally the moment that you said Jimmy Garoppolo's name, I'm like, man, I gotta think of a better name. I I don't know if there is. I think Matthew Stafford would have been that guy, like clear cut. Which is ironic because you know we we've talked about how much quarterback movement there's going to be, but realistically, I, I mean. Deshaun Watson is probably, like, the only guy that I can easily comfortably say is, like, an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Kirk Cousins, I know that there's definitely been discourse, at least online, about Kirk Cousins being able to play at a consistently higher level. And I, I agree with that. Um I think getting him back with Kyle Shanahan could, you know, potentially raise the level of performance for that offense. But I don't comfortably – Make that set ass- assessment, you know. Like I'm not saying that is a sure, guaranteed thing, because, I mean, we, we've seen it, Kirk Cousins kind of volatile. You, you see the high points, and you also see kind of low points. And he's probably a little bit more consistent than a lot of that group that is available, you know, going into the off season. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that's pretty stable, but he's not going to give you that high ceiling. Uh, Carson Wentz, like you mentioned, I mean, he three years ago he looked like an MVP candidate and. Now he looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL and played at that level. I mean, mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, another high volatile guy that that's going to be available. But I don't know, man. Like I, I think there, the thing is with all those guys, I'm not able to comfortably say like yes, absolutely, the 49ers will be getting an upgrade if you sign those guys. Maybe Kirk Cousins. I think that's probably the only guy. If and Deshaun Watson, those are like the like that is a for sure upgrade but I don't know what it would take to get him even though you know the fan NFL fan of me wants the Niners to somehow find a way to get Sean Watson like between you and me but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they do it but I think that's the upgrade that you know would clear cut be like over Jimmy Garoppolo
2: there might be and I want to put a pin into Sean Watson here for a second there might be riots out here if the 49ers trade for Kirk Cousins I think 49ers fans were so excited to avoid getting him in 2018 because that was Shanahan's plan, right? He was right. going to just get through 2017 with Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard and then signs Kirk Cousins. And I think 49er fans have gotten so excited about not having to, to deal with Kirk Cousins that now trading for him and giving up assets to acquire him, that, that would be, that would be rough. And I feel, yeah. I feel like his, I think you're right though. His consistency is so much better, but, Garoppolo I mean you saw it in the in the that Saints game you saw it a couple of times against the Cardinals we've seen him play at this really high level but again it comes back to the consistency thing you were talking about
1: yeah and that that's the thing with it that, and Kirk Cousins over the first half of the year I mean I didn't think he was playing all that great but over the back half of the season mm-hmm. I mean he, he was in that squarely like top 13-ish 12-ish I mean he he wasn't too far away from pushing at like playing at the level of top 10 quarterback so I'm not saying that he squarely is and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's peak is too far away but uh, it would be like the slightest upgrade for the sake of consistency the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of today's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. All
2: right. I want to talk about Deshaun Watson now. If let's. Um, hmm. Let's not bring the 49ers into it yet. <laughs> Just in general, is there a point where with a player like Deshaun Watson, you're an NFL GM and you say that's too much to trade?
1: Um, Man, that, that's a really good question. Because I, I don't think there is because he's squarely a top five quarterback and he's only 25 years old. You have him under control for another four years. So realistically, I, I think – when you look at how you're trying to build your team, if you have the quarterback, I think, you know, there's 20 million ways to build a team, but if I can have a top five quarterback for draft capital for, you know, what could be potentially a top five player at their respective position, I think I'm going to trade that. I think maybe like three or four picks, you know, at the very least, like first round picks would be, you know, that like the starting point of the discussion. But I think that's definitely doable if I'm an NFL GM, I would want a top five quarterback for, honestly, that, that's kind of a bargain.
2: The big discussion out here with San Francisco is who, which players are off the table. Cause if you're buying John McClain's report from the Houston Chronicle, that it's going to start for the Texans. If they were to trade him at two first, two seconds and two defensive starters that sparked the conversation out here. Well, not if, not if one of those starters is Nick Bosa or not, if mm. one of those starters is Fred Warner or, you know, both of those guys, is is there a line there even where it's like you have two foundational pieces of a defense that was really good in the in going to the Super Bowl and then even last year with with so many injuries, are you still in the camp of yeah trade those guys and figure it out?
1: Ooh, that that's good too because the Niners at least last year right they they showed that they're willing to give up the asset you know like a top premier defensive player they replaced mm-hmm. the Forest Buckner. Uh, with Javon Kinlaw in, in the first round. And, I mean, Kenlaw's not at the level that, um, that excuse me, that the Forrest Buckner's at yet. I mean, but there's the potential for it. I think they did a pretty good job replacing him. Um, I, I don't think that I would give up a Nick Bosa. I think that, that that would be really tough. And it depends on how important he is, you know, to your defensive rotation. They have guys like D4 and Eric Armstead still under team control. So I think that, you know, maybe you're getting, you know, pretty solid production out of there. And I think even without him in that lineup, he, they were still a, what, a top 10, top five defensive unit last year. Uh, forgive me if I'm, I'm overstepping top five, but. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> sorry, but <laughs> no, maybe, top they, 10, they were, top 10's right. Yeah, they they were a top 10 defense last year, even without Nick Bose in the lineup. So maybe, you know, I I'd be tempted if I were a general manager. I would absolutely be tempted because you have so many weapons offensively, and thinking of what you could do in terms of being able to outscore anybody. I know that's probably weird to hear after watching, you know, a top-flight offense get, you know, their butts kicked in the Super Bowl by an elite defense, but uh, it would be way too tempting, especially seeing that being what ended up doing, you know, the Niners in back in that Super Bowl.
2: You mentioned earlier that the football fan in you wants to see Deshaun Watson in San Francisco. Why?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I want to see him paired up with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, paired up with Kyle Shanahan, Throwing the George Kittle, Brandon Iyuk, Devo Samuel, like that, that would be such a fun offense to watch. So, and, and the other part of it, and I think, I I don't know, I think I pointed this out on Twitter, you know, we don't talk about Peyton Manning that much because of, you know, the fact that Tom Brady was in his conference in his own, uh, blocking him from, you know, reaching the Super Bowl so many times. And I, I don't think, you know, we'll see if, you know, Patrick Mahomes can, you know, keep his reign you know, top the AFC, I kind of expect them to. So my thing would be, you know, you look at, and not just, you know, Patrick Mahomes, there's Josh Allen in the, in the conference, uh, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield has played pretty well. Um, the Jaguars are going to get Trevor Lawrence in the second. There are so many young elite, potentially elite quarterbacks, you know, in the AFC. MC doesn't really have too many young guys. You know, there's Aaron Rodgers, who's in his 30s, or late 30s, Tom Brady, uh, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. And that's really it. I mean, if mm-hmm. I was going to go to the NFC, I think there's a, a more legitimate pathway to being, you know, kind of the best team in, or at least the best quarterback in the conference. And that gives you a major advantage, in my opinion. So if I were Deshaun Watson, I would I would be trying to snag away to get to the NFC just so I wouldn't have to deal with everyone else who's in the AFC
2: there's been so i work at a sports talk radio station in san francisco and when the deshaun watson rumors first started um i and i i say all this to to get to the point that i don't think people understand how good deshaun watson is um and i say right. people like because if you're just a the, the average nfl fan you're probably not locked into the houston texans super often right but <laughs> It was shocking how many people. We started the conversation on on the show I produced at like two first round picks. And it was shocking how many people were calling and like not doing it. Right. And it's like what <laughs> really? I would do five first round picks for yeah. that guy. Yep. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs>
1: yeah. Every week he was doing something that I I think there was a streak like at the beginning of the year where I was like tweeting. I was like, the show Watson is doing stupid stuff and like Rivers McNown, who. Uh, he I, I believe he covers the team. He would tweet out all these clips, and I'd just be sitting there like, man, we are not talking about Deshaun Watson. It's because the Texans <laughs> suck, but right. we are not talking about him. He is being he he's absurd. He's reached that echelon of elite quarter like top five elite quarterbacks. It just yeah. they didn't win. They just didn't win.
2: I uh I put a in like week twelve, he was plus eight hundred to lead the league in passing yards. And so I bet on it just for just for fun, and oh, he ended up man. doing it because Mahomes sat the final week. <laughs> so I'm a big Deshaun Watson supporter now because yeah, of uh, because of that man. back door. <laughs> uh, you're an ASU guy.
1: I am an ASU guy,
2: and we were talking a little bit earlier about Brandon Ayuk, and I don't know how locked in you are still to ASU football, but. Did you, when when he came out of the draft, because I, I think what we saw from him last year, I thought he was going to be good. I think he even surpassed my highest expectation for him. Was he as good last year as you thought he would be uh, when you were watching him at ASU? Was he better when he jumps over an Eagles defender and, and scores? <laughs> you go, yeah, that's Brandon Ayoub. So that that's
1: definitely Brandon Ayuk, but I I personally am shocked that he is as good as he was. And to be honest, I was shocked when, you know, I first started started seeing, you know, draft analysts. Because I, I was covering Texas football last year, so I didn't get to always watch ASU football. But, you know, I, I'd be in group chats and everyone would be like, man, Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk. Like, cool. Like, i would see highlights, and I'm like, <laughs> man. Like, I, I knew – I remember watching clips of him in Alabama, and I'm like, okay, this guy has the potential to be really good. I was completely shocked he won ended up being a first-round pick until I started watching, you know, some of his film. And then, two, I didn't expect him to acclimate to the NFL so quickly. I'm not too shocked because Kyle Shanahan got him, and I was like, okay, that's a really good fit. And also okay. Debo Samuel getting hurt. That kind of helped him, you know, get more reps, I feel like more targets early in the season. But, you know, for him, the way that he finished that year, like firmly establishing himself as, you know, one of the better offensive weapons in the league, or at least most exciting – You know, I'm completely shocked, and it's good for him because he he definitely outperformed my expectations.
2: There's been this thing in in San Francisco where Michael Crabtree, high first-round pick, was good. Like, Crabtree was fine, but didn't, you know, at Texas Tech, he was unbelievable, and then he was just kind of okay in the league. And then there's Rashawn Woods, who they take 31st overall, I think, and he plays one season and doesn't do anything. Uh, AJ Jenkins was an unmitigated disaster. So they have this issue with like first round wide receivers, and we've heard from beat writers at training camp about Dante Pettis and Watt. Wow, Dante Pettis looks really good, and oh Trent Taylor, Trent Taylor looks really good. And so all these beat writers are going, well, Hey, Brandon Ayuk might be the best receiver we've seen." It's like, okay, like i you know Chris Biederman, who who typically co-hosts this podcast, is a beat writer for the Sacramento Bee, and he even he was going, "Dude, he's, he's different," and it's like. Oh no! Like okay, I'll see. And then he scores his first touchdown against the Giants in Week Three, and it was just like, oh, <laughs> there's yep. th- that's that ex- that explosiveness that people were talking about. Um, you also mentioned I'm I'm off the 49ers now. Now I'm going on a tangent, but okay. you also mentioned Keanu Neal. Why why do you think or not Keanu Neal? Um, Nikhil Harry. Keanu Neal, totally different player. Uh, Nikhil Harry, what what do you think is the reason he hasn't succeeded in the NFL? Because I really wanted the 49ers if he slipped in the second round in the 2019 draft to go draft him, and he has just not succeeded. Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, man. So, you and I, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Like, when I watched him in college, like, he he was different. He was six foot four, two 230 pounds. He He's built like a defensive lineman. Like <laughs> he, he, and he ran faster than everybody else on the field in the straight line. And I, I think the problem is that he's just not twitchy enough, man. And I think that that's mm. really what it comes down to. I, I think he's got the strength. He's got the straight line speed and he's got the size. It's just, he, he's not twitchy enough and he doesn't really get enough separation. I mean, whatever you think of, you know, whether, you know, a receiver being able to generate separation is important or not. Like for it, 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 he just doesn't, Do enough to you know win at the cat? At least you know when he does, he does. I I think he does win at the catch point. I'm kind of getting over like tripping over myself here, but I, I think that you know he just doesn't do enough in the intermediate, especially in the short game. Especially like he just does not separate enough from defenders. And I think in New England's offense, you know you've really seen receivers. Who thrive on being able to win, especially over the middle of the field, because they're able to generate that type of se- uh, separation and mm-hmm. cut away from defenders and get them off them. So I don't think it's a sizing or a strength thing. It's just he just, you know, defenders are stickier in the NFL.
2: Were you surprised by how the Super Bowl went?
1: Oh, big time, big time, and you know. It's so stupid because <laughs> you, you think it, it, it's, it's, it's so stupid because yeah, I feel like everyone going into that matchup who assessed the game was saying the same thing, which was like, you know, we are all pointing at, oh, yeah, the Chiefs offensive line, it's completely patchwork, but it won't be that big a deal, right? Even though, <laughs> historically, that is a massive deal. And we're all thinking, and me included, like, I, I definitely was driving this train. I was like, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, this guy is different. He's not, you know, a statuesque quarterback. It's not going to matter. It mattered. It mattered. Yeah. It mattered big time. And Todd <laughs> Bull drew up the perfect game plan and everything else. And that the, the other thing, you know, I know we've been giving Tom Brady all of his credit and getting all his flowers, which he deserves, but he played a pretty damn good game. That's the only thing no one really talks about. I know the numbers aren't, crazy but he 21 to 29 for a game like that he, he he was perfect the defense was perfect they played a perfect game <laughs>
2: didn't matter it yet, it was unbelievable because going in I was I was in that same I was in that same boat of like Patrick Mahomes it's not going to matter like he's inevitable it just right. it, it's it's all going to happen and even during that game I was sitting there as I, I was watching and I'm going the run's coming like, the we right. saw it against the 49ers last year. The 49ers dominated that game for 50 minutes. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's just like, long one to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams. And all of a sudden they're winning by two scores. And I just kept waiting for it to happen, but it turns out that football's hard when you don't have your starting left tackle. <laughs> yeah. I It was an unbelievably, like, and I, I think this is what you're saying, just kind of, like, overlooked point. Especially exactly. after watching Tampa Bay beat up Aaron Rodgers a couple weeks before.
1: Yeah, it's funny because that that was literally the telling sign, right? You know, the Packers didn't have David Bacchiari. and so all of us were like, "Oh, well, yeah, that was expected," like because they didn't have David Bakhtiari. How do you think Patrick Mahomes was supposed <laughs> to do without Eric Fisher <laughs> playing on attack when all, right. the all you, Mike Remmers playing? And the funny thing is, I think Remmers, someone pointed this out, I didn't realize this. He was in the um, the the Broncos Super Bowl that. The Seahawks got destroyed in, or the Seahawks destroyed the, the, the Broncos in. He got worked there. So it's just like, Ugh. man, I, I feel bad for him, but it, it's it, it blows my mind that we all kind of overlooked it. Because, I mean, credit to Patrick Mahomes because he is that good. I mean, and he really yeah. was making all the throws. It just didn't work out the way many of us thought it would.
2: We'll finish up with this one. The 49ers had all these, so back on the 49ers now, um, they had all these injury issues this year. Um, do you, I think they're plus 1,400 to win the Super Bowl next year. What yeah. needs to happen for them to do that?
1: Um, one like you said, stay healthy. Don't play in Meadowlands or whatever MetLife Stadium <laughs> if it's still called that. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Don't don't play there ever again. Like that that field ruined you guys. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest key. <laughs> I mean that. I mean because it, it came down. It felt like you know whenever I'd watch Niners, you know their offense, the, the offense was just so stagnant. And yeah. I mean, obviously between CJ Beater and I forget how you pronounce his name, forgive me. And then my guy Nick Mullins, I was big on him. Coming out of college, which I'm I'm kind of low-key a Nick Mullins fan because I'm like, man, I, I I'm happy to see him thrive or at least make the NFL and,
0: and yeah. be this
1: average quarterback. I'm very happy for him. Um, I, I mean, you guys again, like it comes down to quarterback play because I think that's yeah. the biggest difference. Uh, you, you guys have everything in place, you know, it's it's a pretty elite defense from from the outside looking in, and then you guys have an offensive line that should be pretty great and all the playmakers in the world. I mean, it just comes down to the quarterback. So again. You guys find a way to get the Sean Watson. That would be really cool, just from my own unbiased experience. That would be awesome. <laughs>
2: it's It seems like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have always been kind of hesitant to make those giant trades. I mean, apparently John Lynch said they had this huge uh, package to put together to trade for Khalil Mack, and and the Raiders elected to trade him to the Bears instead. But other than that, we haven't seen him make these huge moves. It was a second rounder for D. Ford, a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's something I, I just, I have to believe they would stray from, if it means getting Watson. And again, that's not the the Texans have said. You know, he's not on the table. We're not trading him. But if you're San Francisco, I feel like you have to make that call once a week. Just be annoying about it.
1: I, w- I would, and but I get it, too, because it's different with you guys. You guys have mostly hit, right, on all your first-round picks. I'm trying to think, like, since what? No, that's, so, that's,
2: so that's kind of the issue. So mm-hmm. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over in 2017. That was Solomon Thomas third overall, and then they traded uh. up for Reuben Foster at 31. Uh, <laughs> 2018 was uh, Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey right? Okay. Yep. And then, and then 2019 was, um, uh, oh my God. Bosa? Yeah. Duh. Jesus. Um, yeah. So 2019, (laughs) (laughs) 2019 was Bosa. I'm still, I'm still shook off the Rashawn Woods thing. No. So 2019 was Bosa. But again, when you talk about it, people argue that like, well, Bosa fell into their lap. Like that was the easiest pick to make. In that situation, and last year it was it was Kinlaw and Ayuk, which you know, fine. Um,
1: yeah, nailed it. So
2: that's that's where that's where I think some people have have um, are willing for this front office to unload the first round picks because right. it's like, well, if it means you're getting Deshaun Watson for the equivalent of Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster and Mike McGlinchey, you're going to do that a right. hundred right. times out of a hundred. <laughs> right. So.
1: No, it makes sense for sure.
2: For sure. We'll see if the Texans even trade him. Sam Darnold's on the table too. That's another name that didn't come up. But again, I th- I feel like to me, Sam Darnold's in that same boat where it's like he's not an upgrade that that they're gonna go make.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Darnold because I I'm feel out like on he,
2: Darnold. I decided. Yeah,
1: I I don't know. I I some days I am, some days I'm not because you know I remember seeing he was kind of this volatile in college, right? Like. And he was playing in Adam Gase's system. I at least want to see him, you know, have the opportunity to flame out in someone comp, like having someone confident coaching before, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm all the way out on him. I'm waiting. We'll see.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I just, I saw a stat today. Like I was not super impressed when I watched him play against the Niners. uh, And I didn't ever really see him do anything that impressive. But then I saw a stat today that his, uh, like, Clean his passer rating in a clean pocket was like eighty, yeah. And that just can't that can't happen. That's not very good.
1: His <laughs> offensive <laughs> line is awful, man. There there was that scram- the scramble he made against the Colts. I think it was on that Thursday night or Sunday night game or something like that. I just remember it was on that Sunday um
2: Oh that, yeah. Long
1: touchdown when he broke out. I was like, yeah, his offensive line is so bad. But uh, yes, that's right. one of the good things he can so do.
2: All right, well, Caitlin, this has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much for jumping on and uh, and talking some football. And we'll do this again once the uh, once the season starts.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you.
2: That's Caitlin Jones. Check him out at theringer.com. Tons of good stuff over there. And we will see you guys next time.